Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. Today is Friday, September 8th. Coming up, three years ago, the Kansas City Metro adopted a plan with the goal of achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. How much progress has the Metro made? But first, some headlines. The man convicted of killing a Henry County police officer wants Missouri's death penalty declared unconstitutional. KCUR's Sam Zaff reports the motion will be heard at his sentencing today. 45-year-old Ian McCarthy was convicted of using a high-powered rifle to kill Clinton police officer Gary Lee Michael in 2017. However, the jury deadlocked on whether McCarthy should be executed, so Judge Marco Rolden sentenced him to death. According to McCarthy's motion, Missouri is one of only three states where a judge can impose capital punishment absent a unanimous jury verdict. In most states, including Kansas, if a jury can't agree on a death penalty, an automatic life sentence is imposed. Unanimous jury agreement, the motion argues, is needed to ensure death sentences are imposed reliably and reflect the judgment of the community. Clay County residents will vote in November on a $1 monthly fee for each cell phone capable of calling 911. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. For years, Kansas City metro counties in Missouri funded their share of the regional emergency communication system using a tax on landline phones. But as those numbers dwindled, Ray, Cass, and most recently Jackson County approved fees on wireless phones instead. This year, Clay County is short more than three-quarters of their $1.1 million share, forcing them to allocate funds from other areas. If the wireless fee initiative is approved November 7th, the landline charge would be removed. Surplus revenue would go to maintaining and improving dispatch centers in Clay County. We'll be back after this. Three years ago, local governments adopted a climate action plan with the aim of adapting to a changing climate and achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Tomorrow, the KC Climate Summit will take a look at what's been accomplished so far and how far the metro has to go. KCUR's Steve Kraske spoke to some of the people involved in the plan about what's next, including Hillary Parker Thomas, board chair of Climate Action KC, Jeremy Knoll, president of Climate Action KC, and Tom Jacobs, chief resilience officer and environmental programs director for the Mid-America Regional Council. Hillary, let's start with you. Remind us of the main goals of the Climate Action Plan for the Kansas City region. What are we talking about here? Sure. So the Climate Action Plan was really a collection of a longtime vision of Mid-America Regional Council and then really the momentum that came from Climate Action KC in the past four to five years. And um, all of that really came together in a perfect moment um, and a little bit of funding from a grant that we had, which allowed us to be able to move on getting that Climate Action Plan put together. Um, Since that happened back in 2020, 2020, 2021, we have had 19 municipalities uh, sign on to the plan, uh, representing over 80% of the region's population. And really since then, it's spurred so much action in those those individual municipalities um, and just really across the region, which is exciting. Jeremy, what are some of the goals that have been set here? Put those on the table for us. Yeah. So uh, among many other goals is yeah. uh, is mitigation, 
focusing on reducing our climate impact, so reducing the the greenhouse gases we're emitting from our businesses, homes, and municipalities, but it's also adaptation. It's thinking about what comes next. What what are the climate risks that we're faced with, and how do we design uh, our cities, our parks, our our buildings to adapt to those extreme risks? What are some of the main ways, Tom, that we're trying to achieve the goals that Jeremy just outlined? The plan lays out a set of strategies in maybe six different areas. So we're talking about making buildings more energy efficient. We're talking about using more renewable energy, greening up the community and restoring nature in the city. We're thinking about transportation and how we can walk and bike and take the bus more. We're talking about waste management, how we can recycle more. And we're talking about urban food systems. So how can we eat healthier and restore the land at the same time? So this is a multifaceted, multi-pronged kind of look at what we got to do here. It's sure no one simple solution. There's no, there's no silver bullet on this. It's more like silver buckshot. Yeah. <laughs> is every city doing the same thing, Jeremy? Uh, more and more cities are. In fact, uh, the the commitment that came with the Paris Accords uh, back in 2015 uh, led a lot of cities uh, in in the last uh, administration to to recommit to that agreement uh, as mayors and as leaders of the cities across America. And now that we've got the Inflation Reduction Act coming uh, to to fund a lot of the resource and resource a lot of the projects, programs, and great ideas, we're seeing just an explosion of opportunity across the U.S. So we're not alone by any stretch here, Hillary, if I understand right. Definitely not. I think the plan prompted individual cities to say, okay, here's where the region is. What can we now as an individual city do with this fantastic 200-page document, mm-hmm. where does it fit with our city? Because where Kansas City, Missouri is, is drastically different where Roland Park is, for example. But each of them can take their own actions as laid out in the plan. I mean, when you bring it down to the local level like this, it just strikes me that this is really telling everyday citizens, hey, you can be part of this too. This really does bring it down to a very ground level sort of uh, base, right? Definitely. I think there's something in the plan for everyone. I think that's what's fantastic about climate action in general is there's something for everyone. And um, I'd actually like Jeremy to elaborate a little bit about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, ahead, really, no matter who you are, there's an action that you can take. There's something that you can do about climate action. It's not just waiting around for the utility plants to shut down and, and wind power to start. It's it's actions we can take every day. So those might be like planting trees with groups like Bridging the Gap or making your business more eco-friendly uh, or even making sure our buildings are strong enough to handle the extreme weather by updating our energy codes at the municipal level. There's really a role for everyone in improving our climate. You know, Tom, I want to bring up something that just occurred occurred in the last few days in Kansas that I thought was really significant. The Kansas Corporation Commission, which oversees state utilities, just approved a sweeping package of energy efficiency programs for Evergy customers. We're talking free energy assessments, free smart thermostats for homeowners, everything like that. This effort has been a long time in coming. But how big of a step forward is this? Because the Kansas Reflector just pointed out in reporting on this that Kansas currently ranks 49th 
out of 50 states for its energy efficiency programs. That's a ranking by the American Council for an energy efficient economy. How big of a step is this? Steve, it's absolutely huge. huge. Right? We've yeah. been waiting on this for years, and we're just thrilled that the Kansas Corporation Commission has taken this action to support and endorse Evergy's energy efficiency programs. To put this in context, on the Missouri side, where they've had programs like this in place for a while. For years. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what the actual numbers are, but I wouldn't be surprised if they've invested over a half a billion dollars in energy efficiency programs for schools, for businesses, for homeowners. And now on the Kansas side, we'll have the same set of incentives that will really help transform the uh, our, our area's building stock. Jeremy, it seems like there's a lot of momentum towards creating a more resilient Kansas City. Just last week, uh, City Manager Brian Platt was on this program talking about all the work that he's doing along with the city. Uh, but what are other municipalities in the, in the region doing? I mean, again, Kansas City talking about a giant, a giant solar energy farm up by KCI. That's one big plan the city manager has. What else is happening in the region right now? Well, some of the actions we're seeing happen that affect my work as an architect, especially, is building code updates. So across Kansas City, we're seeing an update to uh, primarily the 2018 energy code. Kansas City, Missouri has adopted the 2021 energy code, but now I know uh, there are several other municipalities on the Kansas side who are looking uh, very squarely at the, the 2024 energy code, which is uh, just about to come out here in a few weeks. Uh, which would push us even further towards the energy efficiency as we join um, Houston and Chicago and Colorado in adopting the latest and greatest energy codes. You know, one big question on the table here, it seems to me, Hillary, is can we achieve uh, our goals here with the Climate Action Plan and net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 at a time when the, the, the Earth's climate seems to be increasing, putting added pressure on uh, our ability to achieve some of these goals. How do you see it? Sure. So, well, we know Kansas City is ranked fifth out of 25 cities to be most <clears throat> impacted by climate change, according to the Weather Disruption Index. Um, that's because of reasons like flood, heat, drought, and other causes. Um, that's all the more reason why we need elected leadership and the business community and the nonprofit community to all come together and think about what their impact is in in driving down their carbon footprint, um, particularly as we think about uh, local municipalities adding on what Jeremy was was discussing in terms of outside of Kansas City, Missouri, I think on the Kansas side, um, Johnson County particularly and um, various municipal governments in Johnson County um, are working on their government operations, um, having LEED certifi certified buildings, um, electrifying their vehicle fleets, adding EV chargers really across the county. I mean, those are the types of actions that are going to help us, um, you know, vision towards the future. But um, the reality is, is in a city like Mission, for example, where we are a first tier suburb, meaning right. that we have some of the oldest infrastructure of anywhere across of, across Kansas City and the suburbs, um, we are going to be most impacted by stormwater that's collapsing. And so instead of just replacing, you know, same old stormwater as usual, let's think about resilient green infrastructure and and what, what change that can make um, for the years to come. Jeremy, what do you think? I mean, do rising temperatures, uh, it, it makes homeowners use more energy. Does that make achieving some of these goals, put the, does that put them out of reach at all? 
Uh, not at all. I think it's really a balance between both reducing what we're what we're using right now and adapting for the climate that we know is already changing around us. So it's right. building in more resilient ways, building with better insulation and air tightness, uh, building for for the types of of heat and and cold that we can expect, uh, building with things like uh, solar systems with battery backup, so that you can at least keep your refrigerator running and maybe the blower motor on your heating system in your home running uh, during a power outage, even if it's a, a short one so that you're not uh, at risk of having to be displaced from your home during that time. So you're saying we can still achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 despite global climate change? Absolutely. And I think the Midwest has an opportunity that almost nowhere else in the world has, which is to create soil, to actively absorb carbon into the development of soil here in, in the farmlands that that made our our city and our region great. Um, this is really, I think, an opportunity to think of almost like a reverse dust bowl. We need to capture that carbon, put it back in the ground and into the rock where it belongs. And, and I think we've got a really unprecedented opportunity to be a part of that opportunity globally. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske, Hillary Parker Thomas and Jeremy Knoll of Climate Action KC, and Tom Jacobs of the Mid-America Regional Council. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadi. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez, Gabe Rosenberg, and Madeline Fox. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. If you like our show and want to help us out, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.